Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, DCBService.com, and Summit City Comic Con. another episode of the doctor's companion this is episode uh 40 47 47 okay this is episode 47 uh i'm scott corelli <laughs> and i'm matt smith but not that matt smith Mm-hmm. and uh yeah today we are going to be talking about the 10th doctor uh adventure the centauran stratagem and the poison sky it's a two-parter mm-hmm. yes um, so, it's funny, uh, talking about a two-parter, part modern story, because mm-hmm. we're just so used to talking about multi-part classic stories, mm-hmm. um, so it makes it feel a little more classic-y. Mm-hmm. Than, and, and uh, it definitely has that feel. Like, it's not quite, you know, it's not paced as slow as the classic stories, but it's, you can definitely feel that it's much, the, the focus and the style is much slower and methodical, as opposed to, like, the typical, just, like, you know, rush of the typical 45 minute story. And I really do find that like, I do like the two part stories much more than I like the single part stories across the board pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I guess we're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. Uh, before we do, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website geekshowentertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Movie Night at Geek Show which you are now the uh, uh, co-host of um, for the time being. Yeah, interim co-host. That's me. Yes, yes. Um, you're like uh, you're You're like the substitute teacher that comes in when your teacher uh, takes time off for pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, are yeah. you saying that Nick is pregnant? Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should. We should. Okay. Right, so, so I, I know when I, to shut up. I know when to shut up. <laughs> so I think I think the June pick, uh, there should be a pick in June of uh, Junior, the, <laughs> the twin <laughs> sequel. Um <laughs> Um, Also, uh, other podcasts include Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, uh, A Couple of Geeks, Geek Show Soundcheck, which is a music podcast I do with uh, John Pavlich, Super Geeks, and the upcoming flagship podcast, The Geek Show with Scott and Matt, starring myself and uh, Matt. Yes. Yes, uh, and that's going to premiere on June 1st. And you can listen to all of those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's TDC, as in The Doctor's Companion. 
All right, so uh, I, I, I imagine, as per usual with the modern episodes, we don't probably have a whole lot of background and significance for um, this two-parter, but, but what do we have? Um, well, the most... I think the two most interesting things um, of this story... Uh, first of all, let me just apologize because I'm I'm kind of in the middle of a cold. Um, I'm not sure if it's started or if it's ending, but I'm in the middle of it. Um, so if I sound kind of meh, that's why. Um, so apologies for that. Hopefully I'll be up, uh, by, I'll up, and, up and better by next week. Uh, because that should be really awesome. And before we start, I guess we should mention that we're doing The Deadly Assassin next week, um, and Scott mm-hmm. and I have decided that we're not actually going to do a standard recap. Um, we normally do recaps for classic stories, um, but we're just going to talk about it. Um, for, for reasons um, uh, known to us, uh, we'll explain a little more next week, but um, it's not... Basically, it's not amazing. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, because it's... it's one of those stories that like we can recap the green death um as an example and there's plenty of stuff that we can commentate on and make fun of and do like a like a like sort of like a like oh tee hee 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 but yeah. deadly assassin is one of those rare stories much like caves vandrazani or genesis of the daleks um that we can't do justice to if we are just recapping it because well even 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 caves has uh the mexican wrestler villain but <laughs> But I mean, but yeah, it's it's. Or the magma monster. <laughs> yeah, or the magma monster. Yeah. So I mean, even caves has some stuff you could poke fun at, um, mm-hmm. and tee hee hee about. But yeah, the, I mean, really, yeah, beyond uh, gooey master, there's not really. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's and just it's it's, it's it's the the writing on that episode is. I mean, it's it's up to par with today's standards so you could drop it in today and it would fit um Mm -hmm. so we're not gonna we're not gonna be you know we'll be we'll be making fun of it and pointing out some silly things because there are some silly things in there but they're so slight and so you know sparse and far and few and few and far between I, i think that's the phrase that we're just gonna we're just gonna discuss it and we're just gonna talk about how awesome it is um and maybe talk about a couple of the failings um all two of them um, which I can't even think of right now. So um, <laughs> it's just going to be a cool discussion, and it'll be – we have a little surprise for you. Um, you might know what it is, but uh, if you don't, uh, listen in because it'll be really cool. Um, so, and everyone go go find it. Go watch it because um, it's, it's great. And if you like Time Lords, you're going to love this. You're going to mm-hmm. love this. Um, so, so everyone go watch it cause we're not going to recap it, um, much. It's going to be a discussion kind of like what we're doing here. Um, so hopefully it'll turns out pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, anyways, back to Centauran strategy and poison sky. Um, the two most important things that I think this story does, um, at least, uh, the most, the things that it's most significant for is it brings two things from the classic series back into, uh, modern doctor who, um, it brings in something that we've talked about and something we haven't. Uh, the first is Unit, which we have talked about and talked about a, a bit. Um, more Unit to come. But it really, like, Unit has appeared um, in other stories, but never as the presence it is here. Like, this is a Unit adventure, very specifically. Um, and it also, uh, the new thing that it talks about that we haven't talked about yet is it brings in the Centaurans, uh, who are a classic villain, uh, who appeared a couple of times. Um, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. 
Um, but uh, it, Russell T. Davies wanted to bring him back because he brought back the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Master. And why not? You know, Stephen Moffat did with the Silurians last season. Um, curious what he's going to do with, with this season, if he's going to do it at all. I guess Cybermats. But uh, we should probably cut that out. Um, but um, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> not that Cybermats are a huge spoiler. Um, unless you know what Cybermats are. Anyways, I'm getting I'm getting away from myself. Um, the uh, that's really where the only things that and it's you know it's the reappearance of uh, Martha Jones, which is interesting because I hadn't really thought about it. Um, but it it very much is like a like a like kind of like an old school crossover. Like you kind of get like Martha and Donna, which is it's kind of rad. It's like you know if Joe showed up in a in a in a third Doctor adventure with Sarah Jane, like it'd be kind of like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and it's cool. Um, so that's really that's really all there really is to it. Um, we'll go through and discuss more points in a little bit. But um, yeah, so brings back the Centaurans, brings back Unit, uh, and it does so I think really well. Um, but yeah, yeah, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, you know, unfortunately for me anyway, personally, um, and I've, I've we've talked about this uh, off mic before i'm not i'm not a fan like i wouldn't even say like i'm not a huge fan like that's me like dancing around it like i i borderline hate warmongering characters like i just they just do nothing for me like klingons centaurans any character like that like it just they just annoy me um Mm -hmm. you know the 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 soldiers in avatar yeah no no like (laughs) Any character that's like that, like it just it it annoys me. They're just you know, especially mm-hmm. when it's it's done in almost a religious capacity, like it is with Klingons mm-hmm. and Centaurans, um, which I mean, yeah, there are like that. a lot of similarities between the two. I think like the like the the military like culture, like they're just military culturalists, sort of. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I just I I have a huge problem with that with characters like that, and I just they mm-hmm. I find no enjoyment in them whatsoever. Um, so I have a big problem with the Centaurans just from the, you know, just, just from the get go. Um, Uh I'm not, I'm I'm not a fan, uh, Mm -hmm. of their concept, I guess. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, you know, like I understand the purpose they serve, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. in the larger scheme of things. So, you know, whatever, I guess, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, before we get uh, started with the discussion of this episode, uh, I want to remind everyone that we are brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Day Tripper, by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. And this book is available for only twelve thirty nine, which is thirty eight percent off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Buy all right, it. so, good. so sorry. it is good. It is excellent. <laughs> Um, all right, so part one, the Centauran Stratagen. Mm-hmm. Um, right off the bat, I just want to talk about how much I love evil GPS. <laughs> I just good, think that that's so concept. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I just think that's so funny. You have reached your final destination. Like, that's creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's puntastic, but in, a, in one of those sardonic, dark humor sort of ways, you know? It's great stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it and it's and it's and it's quote unquote like green energy, which is always lovely. People love that. Um, why, mm-hmm. why I don't understand. Why are we trying to save the environment? We should be lighting trees on fire. Like that's what we should be doing. But but <laughs> no, we we're just we're it's it's cool because it's like it, it blends two things at once, and then we find out that it's demonic, um, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I like I like it too. It's 
it's one of those like weird things that you don't really think about until you start thinking about it, and then you're like, oh yeah, that is really, really clever um, and stuff. Yeah, um, and it's and it's one of those it's one of those um, simple everyday items turned evil kind of concepts that the show does a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think this one is done exceptionally well, um, mm-hmm. and it's not overused either. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is which is good because at first I thought, you know, as we would go on the first time I, I watched this, I thought that it was going to be about you know evil GPS and how it's going to control the cars and that's it. Like the cars, like they're just going to start running cars into each other, um, mm-hmm. and that would be the whole thing. It'd be like you know the Centaurans as a bunch of two year olds with Hot Wheel cars is basically what I was, <laughs> I was imagining the plot of this. Um, and then the gas thing came into play, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting plot development, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and we'll we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, I do. I I like the evil GPS, and I also love David Tennant and Donna. Like yes, yes. Ten and Donna are just so good together, so mm-hmm. good together. Um, and it, I just I, I I love their chemistry a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I one think of those. Between... It's one of those. Oh, sorry. Go no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was I was just saying that like it's one of those really rare mashups that just kind of works. And like it's not that Donna wouldn't work with other doctors, but she works so well with David Tennant, much in the way that someone like Jamie works really well with uh Patrick Troughton. Um like those like it, you could put Jamie as a companion to anyone, including the sixth doctor, which does happen. Um and it happens well, but like there's nothing like you know the six the the second doctor and Jamie. It's much much in the same way. Much like even Amy Pond and Matt Smith. Like I don't imagine them going with any other, uh, like any other mashup. It just it just works so well. You know. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, uh, I mean, obviously because of the direction that um, Donna's character took at the mm-hmm. end, this could never happen, unfortunately, unless, you know, they somehow wrote around it, but Ike would really kind of like to see the interaction between Matt Smith and Donna, just because that <laughs> could be interesting. <laughs> like, just, just me picturing that in my head, I'm just like, oh, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> I imagine it being something along the lines of, like, um, the fourth Doctor meeting Tegan for the first time, where he just looks at her and he's like, who are you? And she's like, get me off the ship! And then Tom Baker, like, if you haven't seen it, it's in Legopolis, but Tom Baker just kind of, like, goes, like, he just kind of recoils and just goes, like, shut the woman up. Um, I imagine it being, you know, something akin to that um, in a lot of ways. And they would, I think they would play off each other really well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, yeah, no, uh, t- t- Tennant and, and and Donna are just, they're, they're so good together. And mm-hmm. um, I love that he's, like, teaching her how to drive the TARDIS. Like, I think that's kind of fantastic. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, it's it's funny because, like, at the time when I was um, watching this originally, I was like, I, wasn't, I wonder if he does that very often. And now mm-hmm. going back, you know, you kind of find out that he doesn't ever do that. Um, and the only mm-hmm. time that he really ever has was with Ace. Um, and that was a special occasion, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um him mm-hmm. wanting her to be a time lord and all, mm-hmm. um, which is which is interesting because of the take that Donna takes later. Spoilers if you haven't seen it, but like like you know the the direct. I won't I won't spoil. Um, but like the direct. Like Dude, you were no, saying, it's, the direction it's, they okay. Take Donna. No, we're yeah. we're talking classic episodes. It's fine. Spoil it. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, just, the, just the whole thing about, about okay. Well, the thing about Donna, <laughs> be, becoming half 
uh, half time lord in in the finale of this season like it only it's it's one of those really neat sort of foreshadowing things where it's like you're showing that Donna has a propensity to be able to do this and I think it's really I don't I don't know if it's written in that way probably I wouldn't be surprised if it was but it, it does like you can go back and see oh this is this is showing you that Donna has kind of what it takes to be a time lord uh, much in the way that McCoy sees what it takes uh, for Ace to be a time lord um, so, so yeah, it, it works in that respect, especially. And I thought that as I was watching, it, I was like, oh, I'm going to write that down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I also, I, I love the, our first awkward meeting of, uh, of past <laughs> companions, like uh, past modern companions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we had the, the Sarah Jane thing, but that was, and I, I love that he's, that, uh, 10 is making reference to that. Um, mm-hmm. that happening, how, how, uh, Rose and, and Sarah Jane were like bickering when they first met. So he's like, please mm-hmm. don't fight. Don't fight. Please don't <laughs> fight. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I just love how quickly they get along and how it's like really awkward at first. Like it's just, it was done really spectacularly well, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, their, their meeting was just the right kind of awkward, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it, it worked really, really yeah. well, I think. I think it's unfortunate though that it. Donna and Martha don't spend a lot of screen time together at all mm-hmm. in this two part ever or ever yeah. really. I mean, she's yeah. not even in the Doctor's Daughter that much because they. Uh, that's one of my problems with that serial is that or that story. I always call them serials. That story is that um, you know, they break Martha away from the group and then she kind of just wanders the wilderness for an entire episode and it's kind of a waste of her character. Um, mm-hmm. But the Donna and Martha stuff here is really really good. Um, I think it's I think it's actually wasted um, in Poison Sky, um, which which we'll talk. I'll just mention really quickly when the Doctor goes off to go fight the Centaurans, like in his quote unquote last moment. Like there should be, I think that they missed a beat by not putting Donna and Martha together and saying, you know, what they were going to say to each other in that situation because it's it's ripe for a really nice character moment. Um, but I, I do like the way that they, they get they get along here. And my, I think my favorite thing about it is when the Doctor walks out of the TARDIS and Martha's all excited to see him and then she sees Donna walk out of the TARDIS and Freema Adjaman just has this really small face drop where she's just like, oh, he's moved on. And it's like, it's it's very subtle and very slight and she rebounds from it very quickly. But like, you can tell that Martha's a little hurt that the Doctor moved on at all. Um, or at least, you know quote-unquote so quickly um which granted it couldn't might not have been that quickly but it's still yeah there. i think it's and funny I, that she that she makes that comment that she he moved on so quickly and i'm like how do you know how fast it's been he's a time traveler <laughs> yeah 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 um, he might not have seen you in years and years you have no idea <laughs> yeah i i yeah ex- exactly but i think that but i think it's still interesting that she's still hurt by it you know um uh-huh. Because, because you know, it's one of those things where it's like, for technically, Martha, you know, Martha, no secret, was totally into the Doctor the whole time that she was in the TARDIS, and then all of a sudden, uh, she walked out because she couldn't handle being the jilted lover or the unrequited j- lover, I guess. Um, and then you know, she she doesn't rebound rebound from it as quickly as you'd expect, and I really I love that moment. I think it's just one of the strongest in the whole story, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Yeah, um, so, 
where then we get like introduced to Unit and everything, which I I I, I love um, seeing Unit again, like in a modern context. And I wish, I wish they popped up a little more often. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I do I do like them, and I think it's odd having Unit now though, where we had Torchwood, um, mm-hmm. which kind of served the same purpose at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about Torchwood on Doctor Who, not Torchwood, Torchwood. <laughs> uh, which are two very different things, yes. um, yeah. Uh, which I think I think ultimately is was was kind of strange to name them the same thing, mm-hmm. um, because it it is really confusing. I don't I don't know what the deal with that is, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was it was nice to see Unit, um, and I I loved the uh, I think I think it happens in part two, but the the Brigadier name drop was fun. Um, which I always I hadn't actually heard it, but I I listened really carefully this time because like I keep I keep missing it every time I've seen this, but I I did catch it this time and it was it's such a good touch, um, mm-hmm. the the Sir Alistair bit in part two, yeah, mm-hmm. but I always I always miss it and I caught it this time, so I was very delighted with myself. Go me. <laughs> um. Yeah. And uh, like. Okay. So then, the whole cloning thing. I think is easily the weakest part of this whole this whole story because um, uh-huh. it's just silly and it doesn't really serve that much of a purpose. Um, okay, I I don't think like I mean I, obviously they needed the uh, uh, you know the people to uh, uh, go undercover or whatever and get some stuff done for the Centaurans, mm-hmm. but. I feel like they could have done it a different way and it might not have been so lame. I don't know. I don't I don't like the I don't like the cloning thing and the cloning facility looks like it came right out of the eighties. Um Yeah, yeah. Like that's, it's that's like it's like thing, we yeah. were suddenly watching the Sylvester McCoy era of the show. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. out Just of nowhere. Fuchsia and purples and Yeah. Uh, the, even the Centauran ship itself. Like that's one of my least favorite things about it is the color choice. Um uh-huh. from Douglas McKinnon, I guess, the director. Um, that's one of my least favorite things. It's interesting you mentioned the um, the cloning thing because this is one of those things that I think we're going to partially disagree on. Because while I do think that it is um, a weaker part of this story, um, the Centauran backstory that, no offense, but you're missing, um, is that the Centaurans are all clones, which they do mention in this, but like... The cloning and the hypnosis are both things that dial back to the Centaurans' first appearance in the Time Warrior, which we are going to talk about this year. Um, and we'll mention I'll mention more stuff about that when we get to it. But like the cloning is a, is a Centauran thing, and I think it's an interesting take. Um, I don't think it works as well as they wanted it to, but it's an interesting twist on the cloning that we know that the Centaurans are doing, especially as we go through the story that they are cloning. But I, I do see what you mean. Um and it is like I it's one of those things that like I'm I'm sort of like okay with now. I wasn't okay with it for the longest time. I was just like, oh this boring, stupid waste of Martha. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny because that's how it is, I guess, for through all three episodes. Um but um I I see what you I see what you mean and I think I think you're you're not wrong. Um but I, I think that, like, I understand it. I don't think it's as well executed as it could have been. Um, but you're you're right, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess if that's all part of the backstory, maybe mm-hmm. yeah, that's the reason it's there, is because they're reintroducing these characters, and so they're inter- reintroducing, like, all every aspect of said characters. 
Um, and that's fine, but I think that just feeds into the fact that the Centaurans as characters are kind of weak um, <laughs> for me. So that's I got you. There you go. <laughs> I would I would like to say um, I I think we should probably talk about the Centaurans because they're important-ish. Um, uh, the Centaurans, their first appearance, they appeared four times, I think, in the classic series. Uh, they appeared in the Time Warrior, which is uh, brilliant. It's phenomenal. It's one of the best. It's written by Robert Holmes, who is the great. Um, uh, we talk, we're going to talk about him eventually. Um, actually, next week. We're talking about him next week. Um, but um, it's, he, they're created by Robert Holmes in the Time Warrior, and then they appeared again in the Centauran Experiment, which is weaker, but decent. Uh, they appear in the Invasion of Time, which is awful, uh, and then they appear in the Two Doctors in such awfulness. Again, by Holmes, um, but that story has a whole mess of problems. Um, they appear in the Two Doctors, and they're even worse uh, there. Um, I like Centaurans, but I think that like you never, you're never going to beat their first appearance because their first appearance is genius. Um, but this, I think, is probably their second best showing because it, they really do dial into all the cool things about the Centaurans, like the probic vent and the, the shortness of them. And the, I, I know you're not a fan, but the warmongering I think is done exceptionally well here. And it's, and it's, it's a real effort, I think, on Davies's part where he was like, "We're trying to make the Centaurans cool again because they hadn't been cool since their first appearance." Um, and the cloning. I think the cloning's really cool. And even the hypnosis. Uh, there is hypnosis that the Centauran links in um, uh, Time War uses against the scientists that they use on the guards here, and I think it's really cool. Um, but we're, we'll talk about the Time Warrior when we get to it. But I think that, like, in terms of straight Centaurinness, I think the story is actually really excellent. Um, it does get to, like, their character, and it doesn't do as good as the Time Warrior, but very little does. Um... But but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the Centaurans. Um, I know you said yours earlier, but uh, uh, I think if you watch this after you watch that one, I think you might get a little bit more out of it because um, I think that um, this is much more like this is one of the, I guess no, this is we do see bands of Centaurans in other stories, but um, the first one is just one Centauran, which is excellent. Um, but but yeah. Um, I forget where I was going with that. That's my thought on Zantarans. Ta-da. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about uh, in uh, part one, but I do want to say that, um, and this, 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 this must be because, like, as we're reading, or uh, not as we, you already read it, but as I'm reading the writer's tale, I'm learning that uh, Russell T. Davies rewrites every script before it goes mm-hmm. into production. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, being executive producer, he has that right. And, uh, yeah, so he rewrites all the all of the scripts, and then, you know, he doesn't take credit for most of it um, most of mm-hmm. the time when he rewrites. And he rewrote these two, and the gag where Donna says she's going home and and the doctor takes it as, like, leaving permanently... Like mm-hmm. that whole thing that has to be that had to be Russell T Davies. Oh, definitely had to be. That like mm-hmm. I just saw his thumbprint all over that gag, and I just I thought mm-hmm. I I just think it's so brilliant. Um, oh, it's really well done. It's, yeah, it's because Catherine Tate like gives him nothing, and she's like she's like oh you're so sweet. Like the whole time you can just you can just see her being like being like oh he's kind of cool, but I am playing him like a fiddle right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I think it's so funny. Um 
Yeah, like that's that that was that's really great. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, like I don't I don't think I have anything else to say about uh, Centaur and Stratagem. Do you? Um, um, let me see. Um, well, I think the first. I would I mentioned two things. I will mention two things. Um, one, I like the character of Radigan. We see him more in the second part. Uh, um, I actually really like him. Oh, um, uh, I, think... I hate the evil nerd kid. Hate him. <laughs> so, I hate him. So should, He's so annoying, wait. especially in part two. In part two, I like want him to die, and thankfully he does gloriously. <laughs> um, because that's the only possible way you could redeem an awful, awful character like that. Mm-hmm. Um is by having him kill himself to save the world. That's the only way. Only way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not a hater of him, actually. I actually kind of like him. Um, for what he is, he's not, you know, my... F- he's he's not the best, but I think that, like, he's supposed to be a snot-nosed little punk, and I love the doctor throwing... Um, it's been a long time since someone said no to you, and he just like he's just like ooh, you know. I, I really like the the way that the doctor kind of nails it, and it's one of those things where it's like you know that's that's Davies and Rayner, Helen Rayner, the writer of the episode, saying, um, "Oh, we know how much of a little little punk he is." Um, but I, I do I think he's much stronger in this episode than he is in the second one, um, because in the second one he kind of you kind of turns out to be kind of like a guy who didn't really think through everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I like I like him in this, um, especially because he's a little snot, um, and he does such a. Good I do job love the Atmos snot. gag, like oh yeah, the Atmos <laughs> system gag. I'm like yeah, just like ATM machine. <laughs> like it's just... Atmos system system yeah, <laughs> automated um... teller machine machine. Um, yeah, no, like I I I I always want to correct people, but I shut my mouth because people always look at you like that. Like you're, and that's like what you're makes that you kid. not annoying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm just like, I, well, all right, fine. It's really <laughs> irritating, but I'm not going to say a word because otherwise I'm the bad guy. Um, um, but yeah, this... no, I love that gag because I'm like, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, the, um, the I guess before. Oh yeah, you have something else. That's right. Go ahead. The, the the last thing I'll mention about this entire stratagem. Um, uh, this story is one of those stories that I saw when I thought that I was too cool for Doctor Who. Um, I mentioned it before. Um, I think in my first appearance on the show, so go back and listen to that. Why not? Um, uh, this is one of those stories that I saw. Um, I, I caught like the last four minutes of um, because I was waiting for Battlestar Galactica to come on when it was on sci-fi. And um, so I've seen this cliffhanger a number of times, but I think that this cliffhanger is actually a really strong one. Um, I think that... Uh, the end, I think, is especially iconic where you see the doctor standing in the middle of the street and the gas has started to take over. I think that it's strong and it keeps me wanting to come back for the next episode. Um, it's not, you know, I've, there's definitely been better cliffhangers, but for what it is, I think it's really strong. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'll say about it is um, we'll talk about it later because you mentioned it to me and I think it's funny to mention. But um, we'll talk about the next episodes when we when we get there but um i think that the next time trailer for this episode is actually extremely well done it's action packed it's exciting it's you know there's someone counting down from 10 it's it's really really excellent and like despite the fact that i was watching it on my box my dvd box that like i was just like oh yes let's go watch more and i want to go watch more like right now despite the fact that you know i'm i've seen it a bunch of times and i want to get to it like this next time trailer is just spectacular, and it really, really works um, really well for me. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. That's it for Centauri Strategy for me. Um, so okay. 
Well, before we move on, I want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials that are up to 75% off, and regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you could save 50% off those. <coughs> Ship as often as you like with orders large, as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. All right, so moving on to part two, which is called The Poison Sky. Um, like I said, I really can't handle... I can't handle the evil nerd kid. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> He's too much in this. Like, I, I, I know that this is supposed to be my reaction, but, like, every time he starts to get, like, really, like, you know, starts to, like, rage... You know, and mm-hmm. get get really really angry and throw a tantrum. Like I just I just want to punch him in the face so bad. Mm-hmm. I got um, you. And and like like that that um, the time when he is like telling everyone to stay, like all of his classmates or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. all leaving anyway. And he he's like saying, "I'm cleverer than you." Like it feels like he's saying that wrong, mm-hmm. even though I know that he's not, because yes. cleverer isn't a word. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he could have said like more clever or something, because it just sounds so awkward, um, and made me hate him a little bit more. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm not gonna lie. Makes me hate him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I hated that moment, and uh, like every time he throws a fit in part two, which is often um, mm-hmm. right right about every fifteen minutes, he throws a tantrum. <laughs> uh, in part two, which they they neglect to show you in the um, next time trailer in the previous episode, <laughs> um, rightfully so. I think it would have detracted a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I can't I can't stand this kid, and I was so glad when he died. Um, also, the empty child gag makes me giggle every single time. Every single brilliant, time. brilliant, so funny. I love and, and I love time, that it's I it's a reference time, I every time. Yeah, yeah. I love that it's a reference to, you know, an adventure that he wasn't in. Like a direct reference. <laughs> you know? Like I, yeah. I just I love that. Like I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. So just 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 another reminder that this is the same man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. But um yeah, I liked uh I liked the you know, the plot of this with like the gas thing, which is like I said, it was unexpected. Um I think that it was I liked the end result of mm-hmm. of uh, this plot line. I don't really like... I didn't like the uh, the A to B, I guess. Um, the fact that there's just, like, this box in it, all the cars. Because it's, it's just... It's odd that it's a gas thing, and they're controlling all the cars. Like, they're doing mm-hmm. both of these things. Like, these seem like two completely separate plot devices. But they're the mm-hmm. same plot device. And it's. Mm-hmm. It, I just find it kind of clunky, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but agree because, like, what, what, like, what's the point of taking over the cars? Because you're not really using them. I mean, mm-hmm. you can lock the car doors. You can you can steer them into the river, but you're gonna you're using you only really need them to vent gas into the atmosphere. You're not really you're not really using them for anything else. So like the the car driving into the river thing, like cuz that's what it's used for. Um uh is very yeah, never full speed into a wall, always into a river. Yeah. Well, the rivers are more effective, I think, because it's a slow death. You know, it's one of those it's one of those Dr. Evil deaths. Um 
because uh, I'm just going to drive the car into the river and assume they made, they didn't make it out. What? Um, <laughs> the I don't I don't see the reasoning for taking over the cars. I mean, really, all you need and like really the Centaurans themselves, all they really need the cars for is to harness um, harness the Atmos system and turn the entire uh, the entire planet into a giant clone war. Like not clone war. Uh, God, that's bad Star Wars memories. Um, into a um, into a giant, you know, factory for creating clones. Clone farm. There you go. Um, that's all they really need it for. It. So, like, why take over the cars? It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of a wasted concept. Really. Yeah. The only the only uh, you know good use they get out of it is uh, they kill that reporter chick, and you get the like a- little action piece with uh, you know the doctor trying to escape the car. Um, mm-hmm. And and making and the the car almost blow up, and then it just like blow up the little screen. He's like, "Oh, is that it? That was funny." Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. That was good. Um, and then you know, obviously for the cliffhanger with um, Wilfred, Wilf. Yeah, yeah, Wilf stuck in the car. Um, that's really that's that's really the only thing. And I I do love the uh, the resolution of that, where it's just like, "How are they going to get him out?" And she's just like, uh, "With an axe, you idiots!" Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like the mom is just like, what are you guys standing around for? <laughs> get him out! Yeah, and like I love that she doesn't like help get him out. She's like, she's like, I did my part. I have yeah. the axe. I broke him out. You have to pull him out. Like I think that's really funny. <laughs> I do too. I really like that. Um, but yeah, and then obviously the resolution of that, like burning the sky. That's like an amazing moment. Like that's that's really I love that. epic. Uh, I love cool. that. The, the best use of that, though, is still, I think, in turn left, if for no other reason than because it's just so... It's almost better done in turn left, but only because it works here. Because when you watch that, you're just like, oh, snap, they did that. But lighting the sky on fire is one of those big old Doctor Who moments that just only works because it's on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a wonderful special effect, and it's so great. Um, I just, I love that one, too. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and I, I like to, um, and I think this is the last thing that I really have to say about it before we can, you know, get into more discussion. But um, I really like the moment where, you know, the doctor is about to go teleport himself onto the Centauran ship, and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna sacrifice himself and and you know blow up Centauran air with that gun thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they're just like, you know, can't you send it and just put it on a time delay? And he's like, I can't. And they're like, why? He's like, because I have to give him a choice. Like, I love that. Like, he is willing to sacrifice himself. Not just not to destroy the Centaurans, but to give them a choice. Yes. Which I think is fantastic. And so, Doctor. Like, mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I love the conviction that... Um the doctor has in the moment when he's on the ship and he's like, please don't do this. And he's begging them not to do this. And they're still going to do it anyways. And he's just like, he doesn't like the commander stall does the or general stall or whatever his name is. Um, doesn't like he, he doesn't act. He's like, he's like a, a warrior acts. He doesn't sit there. And the only reason that the doctor hasn't pushed the button is because he hasn't gotten, it's not that he's, you know, afraid of doing this. I mean, there is that, but you get the sense that he's only not pushed the button because he's just waiting for them to choose a different path. Like, it's just so brilliant. Like, it's, and it's so well executed, especially on the part of David Tennant. Like, you can see the anguish as he's just like, I'm sacrificing myself 
to say to to kill a bunch of people who don't give a crap, and it's and it's so excellent in how it does that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, something else I wanted to mention too, um, and I think this was in yeah, I think this was in part one. Uh, all of the stuff with Donna's family in part one was great because I loved that she's only been gone for a few days. Number one, I think that's mm-hmm. fantastic, and number two, I love the reference to the keys thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. We, you know how she she gave the car keys to to Rose to give to her mom or whatever, and like her mom just mentions like after the fiasco with the keys or or the thing you pulled with the keys or whatever she says, mm-hmm. and I, I I like that reference too. I forgot to mention mm-hmm. that. I'm sorry. Well, um, I think like people. I know people complain a lot. Um, maybe not complain, but people always make a point of like uh, talking about how Russell T. Davies brought, brings in the Companions family and he does not shut up about the Companions family and people people will say things like, oh, I wish it was more Companion and Doctor than Companions family and Companion and Doctor. Um, but I think that, like, you know, Russell T. Davies here is just playing to his strengths. Um, and the mm-hmm. reason that, like, I'm not saying that Stephen Moffat doesn't write compelling family stories, but that's not where his interest lies. And Russell T. Davies, you know, long time kitchen room drama, all that stuff. Like he's just writing to his strengths here and all the things between Wilf and Donna's mom and Donna and just them is always so good. And what Donna calls them in this episode, it's so incredible. Like I love that moment where, where, um, the mom says, where are you? And Donna just looks around and she's in the TARDIS. She's like, somewhere safe like it's just it's 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 so good and it's really really dialing into it's one of those things where like russell t davis is definitely playing to his strengths and i love donna's family um they're so funny but also really really honest and true in in their own way you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i love i like the family thing because it goes a long way in defining this companion you know mm-hmm. each companion you see their family and you said you you immediately kind of get their character um, and so I, I like that uh, a lot. Well, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this, um, too, kind of bouncing off of Donna in the TARDIS, um, is the Doctor in this story. Um, because the Doctor's really good. I mean, D- David Tennant, we know, is really good, um, <laughs> just in general. Um, but I think that one of the things that's often forgotten in this story in particular is how much of a master planner he is in this, um, especially in part two. Like, when he puts he puts Donna in the TARDIS, and that's an honest move. Like, he's just like, I'm going to keep you safe. Donna, go into the TARDIS. Donna goes to the TARDIS. The TARDIS is stolen. When the TARDIS is stolen, he starts to put together all the things that, like, the Centaurans are much more... They're much more farther ahead of me than I think they are. And he instantly starts improvising. And I think that one of the things that always gets me about this is when... Um, He's like, the TARDIS is gone, and Martha's like, well, where could it be? But it's not real Martha, it's clone Martha. And and he starts to figure out, like, right there. When I first watched this, like, I was like, I was like, don't trust her. That's, that's clone Martha. Be smarter than that. And he's like, where's your family? And Martha's like, oh, oh, I, I didn't check on them. And the doctor's like, right, right, right. And she's like, where's Donna? And he's like, home. Um, I think that it's really interesting how he's... Const- like at that moment, like he knows that Martha's up to no good, um, and he's constantly moving around. Like he's ahead of Unit on this, he's ahead of Martha on this, he's ahead of the Centaurans on this, and he's constantly running his own game throughout the entire thing. And like when he calls the Centaurans, he doesn't call to talk to the Centaurans. And I didn't realize this until the way that I, first, I talked 
sorry, until I watched it this time. But, like, he calls the Centaurans purely so that he can talk to Donna because he knows that she's on the Centauran ship. And I love that he does that because it's so, you know, Machiavellian in its own way. Not, you know, in the negative Machiavellian connotations. But, like, he's constantly ahead of everyone in this story. Um, even, even Unit, even Martha. And I love, like, the relationship he has with Unit because we watched, you know, we've seen a couple Unit stories at this point. The Doctor's very, very chummy with Unit. All the time, which is which mm-hmm. is weird because Unit's technically a, a military organization, and Russell T Davies like came out and said that like one of his points in this was to put the Doctor in a very adversarial role against Unit. Like he is he is not on good terms with Unit in this. Like Unit's only respecting him really because he's the Doctor and he's a legend, and like the people around um, are giving him respect because he's the Doctor. But he's constantly going around behind their back doing his own plan to stop the Centaurans, and I love that. I think it's a really interesting new relationship to Unit um, that isn't quite so, I guess, hypocritical. Um, Because while I do love Unit stories in the third season, um, I think that, like, Davies does have a point in saying that they're not quite believable because there are people running around with guns, and the Doctor in the story is just like, I don't like guns, get those people away from me. Um, But yeah, that's just something I thought, um, especially because, you know, the Doctor has this... um, just he's got this plan and he's constantly working towards it and like I love the part where they they find real Martha and and he's just like and he's just like I kept you and he, the clone like turns on him and he's like ah you didn't see this coming and he's like yeah I did I needed you to stop the countdown because I can't have them launching nukes at Centaurans um, I just think I just think that's so brilliant and it's so well done in this it's a re- it's a really nice plot and a really great sort of character thing um, because you never see David Tennant as like the planner I mean he plans but. This is a really great David Tennant plan across the board. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, this is also later on um, mm-hmm. in his run, which I think has a lot to do with it. Because I think as the show went on, he became more and more like this. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I like that a lot, too, that aspect. I thought that was really, really neat. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I do like the... Uh, I like Poison Sky. Um, I don't... I think I like them both equally. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't... This is one of the few two-parters where I don't think that the second part really stands on its own as well. Um, Yes, I agree. Yeah, like, this really does feel like one giant episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's that. Uh, Because we've talked about before how there's a lot of two-parters that... Even even the second part kind of stands on its own. I, I would say the only other one that would be like that was also this season, which was the Moffat two parter. Um, yes. That that one, even, those two you have to watch together as well. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I I but I do I I like it. I, I like both episodes a lot. Um, both halves and it's a really it's. I mean it's a good story and I and I, I you know I I do like it at the end of the day. It's just I really just don't care for the Centaurans. That's so. that's totally valid. I mean, I completely understand it. I think it'll be really interesting because um, at the end, towards the end of the year, um, we're not going to make it before uh, series six ends. But I think that it'll. I'm really interested to see your thoughts on the Time Warrior because that is really, really well done. It's the best Centauran story, and while the guy in it is still a warrior, I think I, I'm really interested to see your thoughts on it because it is. It's this is very honest to that, but I think that like seeing them in a different context. I'm, I'm really interested to see what you think. Um, and I think that it's also interesting to point out that this story, I think, is exceptional. It's not, you know, it's not 
the best, but it's incredibly entertaining and it's super fun. But like, it's a testament to this season that this is easily in the weaker half of that season. Like, like far and away easily in the weaker half. Like, which just tells you like how ridiculously good the back half of this season is. Um, Mm -hmm. especially when you get to like the Moffat two parter and the Davies like four parts. Um, like those, no, those four episodes, like I love all of it. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think that like it, this episode is just incredible. And like you were saying off mic, um, the, the trailer for the doctor's daughter is incredible. Um, Oh, it's so good. Like, <laughs> okay, people have a huge problem with the doctor's daughter and everything that mm-hmm. it represents. Um, right. A lot of old school fans like consider it the worst episode of the new series because it was like everything that the new series quote unquote ruined about the old series. Oh, yeah, um, the, I've, the whole the whole show is totally gone, and because the doctor's daughter came into your house, stole your memories, and burned all your DVDs. Um, yeah, right, of course. I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry it did that. Um, you have it also went back in time and, and raped you as a child. It did all of those yeah, exactly, things. Exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, the the trailer for The Doctor's Daughter, though, um, you know, because I was watching this week to week as it was on. Um, mm-hmm. So I started week to week with, with season two. And when I saw that trailer, like this was before I was looking into – Spoilers, you know, because mm-hmm. I was just yeah. I was just kind of watching it, and the trailer for that blew my face off. Like, just yeah, I was just like, "What? He's got a daughter? <laughs> what?" And so, like, for like a week, it was literally like all I could think about. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, I'm 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 quite a fan of that episode. Um, I don't I love think that Martha really needs great. to be in that episode. But beyond <laughs> that, uh, I think I, I'm like I actually really really like the episode, and it is so old school. Who like it's, those people oh, it's, are insane. It's, it's so yeah. old school. It's 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 the Doctor and his companions popping up in the middle of a civil war. What <laughs> isn't Doctor Who about that? That is like <laughs> that is like forty percent of of classic Doctor Who stories. Yeah. And I think I think my favorite thing about it, from my in terms of my memory, is when I saw that. Like I knew it was coming, and I was like so excited to see what happened. Um, not to make this a doctor's daughter podcast, um, but I remember when I was watching with my girlfriend. Like we were watching through it, and I was telling her the titles of like all the stories, but I wouldn't tell her the title of that one. So it was constantly one of those enigma mystery things. And then we got to the trailer, and I remember we had just watched the Centauran two parter, and we got to that, and like. It was like she's my she's my daughter, and then I remember my girlfriend just goes what, and then runs off to the bathroom as fast as she can because she really had to go. And then she came back and was just like, "All right, we're watching this right now." <laughs> I thought it was, whatever. <laughs> so whenever I think of it, I always think of that, and it's it's really it's a good it's a good memory for me. Um, <laughs> but that that trailer, like between the trailer for the Poison Sky at the end of Centaur and Stratagem and the trailer for this one or for the Doctor's Daughter, I think like. I, w- I watched that trailer and I was just like, ah, oh, I have things to do. I can't go watch the Doctor's Daughter right now, and I was very upset. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah there it, it is. It's an excellent trailer. Excellent trailer. 
Um, all right, so uh, before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody that we're also sponsored by Summit City Comic Con, which is held in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on Saturday, June 18th. Summit City Comic Con is a comic convention held by our friends at InStock Trades and DCBS, and it's a one-day convention with guests that include Sean McKeever, the writer of uh, such books as Teen Titans and uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, uh, Mike Norton, who is the artist on, he's done uh, Ark on Runaways, he drew Gravity, um, and he's uh, currently drawing uh, Young Justice, um, which is a, uh, like the comic, uh, the Johnny DC comic based on the um, Cartoon Network. Uh, TV series. Uh, Jason Howard, the artist behind uh, The Astounding Wolfman and the upcoming Super Dinosaur, uh, which will be written by uh, Robert Kirkman. I'm super excited about that. Uh, Katie Cook, Steve Bryant, Ian Brill, who's the artist of the Darkwing Duck uh, series at uh, Boom Studios, and uh, me. I will also be a guest creator at... Um, at Summit City Comic Con, uh, I'm going to have stuff about my new webcomic, which I'll probably be um, talking about a lot once it actually uh, uh, starts coming out. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I will be there. So if you're in the area, um, you know, come on out. We'll, we'll go get drinks after and stuff. Um, because, uh, yeah, I went last year and it was one of the best conventions I've ever been to. It's really small, but it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. So much fun. Um, just really cool there. people. Maybe it's Maybe Yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool people. It's not overcrowded at all. So, I mean, you if you want to just go and hang out and talk to Mike Norton or whoever, like, you just you just go talk to them, and they'll just, like, hang out and talk to you. Like, Mike Norton just dropped by my table for a while. Um, I mean, it's just... It's, it's, it's just so much fun, and it's just such a community. Whereas, um, you know, most comic conventions are all hustle and bustle. Um, and this one, this one isn't. It's just, it's just good times, good comics, good art. Um, so come, come check that out. Uh, tickets are only ten dollars, and you can buy those on the website in advance at summitcitycomiccon.com or the day of the show. Um, so thanks to them, and I hope to see you there. Sweet. All right. So uh, next week, the Deadly Assassin. Yeah, the quintessential Time Lord story. In my opinion, the quint- quintessential Time Lord uh, uh, master story. Uh, great Tom Baker, um, great dialogue. We get to talk about Robert Holmes finally, um, and then we're on hiatus. Um, so, so uh, look forward to it. Uh, watch it again. Watch it, please, please watch it because we're gonna spoil it. We're not gonna recap it, um, and we're just gonna talk about how awesome it is. So, go find some time, settle down, and just watch it and be amazed because it's so good. Um, uh, and uh, it's also companionless. Yeah, it's the. I think it's the only companionless story, uh, not counting Mission to the Unknown, because that's no. Um, it's the only companionless story I think in the entire show's run. Um, so, which is fascinating. Totally. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that the first time I watched. it. I was like, I wonder who the companion is, and then like by the time I got to the third part, I'm like, wait, there's no companion. Weird. And it's and it just goes to show you how good it is that I didn't even notice that there was no companion until the third episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not it's not like they're setting like normally when it's companionless like that precludes the notion that like a companion is going to show up but like none of that like none yeah. of that it's it's incredible it's incredible who's the who's the companion that comes in in the next episode uh Leela story Leela Leela okay okay and Leela's great. Um, I love Leela and uh yeah and then we're going to have a special guest host Alan Kistler 
who is a mm-hmm. uh, professional comic book historian, and um, he writes articles for sites uh, sites like uh, uh, Newsrama. Newsrama and uh, Gorilla Geek, I believe. He mm-hmm. does uh, Doctor Who um, annotations for Gorilla which Geek, are which is phenomenal. They're so oh, they're good. so good, so good. Um, I retweet them all the time because they're just they're phenomenal. Um, so yeah, the guy knows his Doctor Who, uh, like gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and so we invited him to be on, uh, the last episode, uh, of the classic stuff before we get back into the modern stuff with me and Randy. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's next week. It's, it should be a really exciting episode. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Geekin is over. Uh, but the geek... <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep reminding people. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Geek Show uh, with Scott and Matt premieres June 1st. Um, that's going to be the new flagship podcast. So if you want to subscribe to the new show, just subscribe to Geekin because we're going to be using the same feed and uh, sort of like re uh, redoing it um, with new artwork and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, just subscribe to that feed and you'll get the new show when it premieres on June 1st. Uh, sound check this week. There should be two episodes posted this week. One will be a spotlight for the band M83, uh, which was uh, John's uh, pick for a spotlight episode, and then my pick for a uh, spotlight on They Might Be Giants. Um, Ooh. So those are the two episodes that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Movie Night at Geek Show last week was uh, John's pick of Cemetery Man. That happened. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next week, or I guess this week rather, uh, is Matt's pick of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is a Western I've never seen and have always wanted to, so I finally get to, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I had three hours of fun. Yes. Three three <laughs> hours of western goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so where where can people find you on the internet, Matt? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also... Uh, Find me at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com where I review classic stories and talk about them and discuss them. Uh, This past week, my girlfriend Cassandra, hello Cassandra, came in and reviewed uh, The Sea Devils and had some really interesting thoughts and stuff. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, uh, even if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If for no other reason than because um, she does the the famous clip of uh, the Master and the Doctor getting into a sword fight. And I know Mm -hmm. I've been talking about it a long time, but it's up there and you should go watch it because it is fantastic um so she reviewed that it was really cool uh this week uh god um i'm in i'm I'm trying something new i'm doing a reconstruction story uh which is a story that's completely missing from the the bbc archives i think only one episode exists i'm talking about patrick troughton's um the abominable snowmen which is a discussion um (laughs) uh, i have problems with it and i'm in the middle of it and it is anguish um but yeah, there it is. So that's where you can find me. Okay, your uh, your girlfriend is my script frenzy buddy. That's exciting. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> we support each other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what I want to hear. That's totally this. I support you in all your endeavors with each other. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you know, it's not like you're doing script frenzy this year, so it could yeah. have been. Oh, believe me, my friend. I'm doing my own version of Script Frenzy, and it's going to be called I'm Not Going to Be Sleeping in About Three Weeks for a month. <laughs> oh, well, that'll be fun for you. Um, I hope so. 
You can follow me on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash uh, Scott Corelli. Also, I have an alternate Twitter account, uh, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet films as I watch them. Uh, just last night, I live tweeted The Great Muppet Caper, which I believe may be the greatest Muppet film of all time. Um, it is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, and I'd forgotten just how good it was, but it is fantastic. Um, yeah, so I live-tweeted that, and I will live-tweet other films um, as we go on. Also, uh, you can email the show at uh, tbc at geekshow.us. Go to the website, geekshowentertainment.com. Uh, leave comments to this episode, other episodes, other podcasts, um, all the other podcasts that I'm on, uh, Movie Night at Geek Show, uh, with John Pavlich and Matt Smith filling in for Nick uh, for the time being. Uh, and then also Geek Show Soundcheck, uh, which is a music podcast that I do with John. Um, I only have three podcasts now. That's fun. Good times. It's about to become four and a half. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. You are not <laughs> kidding. Um, yeah, oh, man. that's uh, It's going to be so, so much fun, exciting. but seriously, the Geek Show is going to be a ton of work. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stoked, but man, oof. Um, also, leave iTunes reviews. We've been getting them. Yeah, we, we got we got two it. this week. Um, in the slow push for five more. Um, we have so we have three now. So there's only two spots left, and I'm still doing the contest. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. If if we get those extra two reviews on hiatus, I won't be able to announce contest winners until after the new Who airs. So. Uh, Get those reviews in, and if there's enough, I will pick one on next week's show, and we will get into touch and do all that. So um, get those reviews in, and I'll buy you a Big Finish audio play, and it'll be awesome. There you go. Uh, you have a deadline, go. guys. It's uh, next Sunday. Um, so that the contest is... will still be there. It's just you know it won't it won't like I won't be able to tell you a winner for like eight weeks. Um, right. So so just get them it. in by next week. Um, so mm-hmm. it's the 17th, April 17th. Get those reviews in by April 17th. If you're past that, uh, you know, whatever. Leave a review in here. Um, yeah. Because yeah. you still might be part of the contest. Who would know? Um, <laughs> so definitely, uh, well, I mean, you know, if no one else does it, then I guess they would still be part of the contest. Uh, so yeah, get those in and uh, check out the show next week, The Deadly Assassin, our big uh, last hurrah before the new series starts. And I'll um, announce is, the next five stories that we're doing when that airs. So, what is so bittersweet, so bittersweet. Uh, I know because I, I love know. doing these classic stories. But oh man, I'm ready for some new who. Ready for oh, some new who? God, am I ready? I'm actually <laughs> to the point now where I have to. I think I'm going to have to turn off Twitter for the next four weeks because I don't want to hear anything. Yeah, anything. and and they they have that the stupid viewing like two weeks before it airs, and it's just, there's going to be spoilers everywhere, and I'm going to pay myself. <sighs> People are going to be like, I know who River is. This is what it is. Like, in the headline. And I'm going to punch somebody. Right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week with Deadly Assassin. Bye.